Forte Catholic Radio. This is your host, Taylor Schroll. In the studio alone today. We all know how I feel about that. When producer Sam leaves me hanging. I'll give her a break this time. She's been a little busy. We just recorded another show yesterday. We have to. This, if you're listening to this on the radio, I'm currently at our junior high summer camp called Camp Basic. So I'm actually not in the studio. I recorded this last week on 4th of July. So happy current 4th of July, but you're hearing it a week later. So happy belated 4th of July. You probably already forgot that it happened. It's great to be in here today on this rainy day. I'm hoping it clears up before the fireworks. Again, this is weird for you if you're listening to this a week later. Anyway, we are recording here. And we, it's not we, it's just me. I'm very sad. I don't know how to do the show alone. It saddens me a lot. I am here recording in the Red Sea Radio Studios. Whether you are listening to Red Sea here in Central Texas or St. Michael Radio in Oklahoma, or if you're listening in North Carolina on the interwebs or on the podcast, welcome in to today's episode of Forte Catholic. This is episode 91. Today, what we're going to start with is a looking back at last week's episode. We ended the episode talking about, I went to Detroit a couple weeks ago. Uh, to lead worship for a mission trip, and I had a really interesting experience at Mass. We're not going to rehash the whole thing, but I just want to give you a little recap. I went to this Mass, Mass, a bishop said Mass, very welcoming, first person that said hi to me, so I was really excited that this bishop was here to say Mass, and then like weird stuff happened, like the cantor, the person that was singing, was wearing a t-shirt. It's like, come on, dude, like dress up a little bit more. If a bishop is here, I mean, granted, Jesus is there. He should be wearing something a little better than a T-shirt on a Sunday mass with hundreds of people at it. But especially if a bishop's there, because Jesus won't judge you, but the bishop definitely, definitely did. So um, the one thing I didn't get to talk about last week is how uh, this guy mimed, essentially, the Alleluia. So if if you've been to mass before, which I assume that many of you have, during the Alleluia, usually the cantor goes up, they sing Alleluia, then the whole congregation sings Alleluia, then he sings a ver- he or she sings a verse by themselves, and then the whole congregation sings Alleluia again, and then the priest reads the gospel. That's essentially what's supposed to happen. Here's what actually happened. He goes up, and granted, he's been the only person that has sang to this entire point. He walks over from the organ and the piano, because the, the guy that's playing organ and piano was like bowing back and forth between the two throughout Mass. He walks to this guy, this cantor, in a t-shirt, walks to his stand, like right next to the altar, where he's been singing from the entire time. And then I'm staring at this guy. It's kind of early in the morning. I had not gotten much sleep the night before. I had gotten on a plane where it was, uh, I had to get on, I had to wake up at like three in the morning to get on this plane on time. So I was a little out of it, but I'm staring at this guy and I'm like, something's wrong with this situation. He walked over to the Embo and I hear someone singing the Alleluia and yet his mouth isn't moving and he's just like staring at the entire congregation. And I'm like, okay, like I figured out maybe the guy playing piano or organ 
is singing and like this guy will sing the verse or like you see at mass like when it's the congregation's turn to sing like you know the cantor the singer will raise their arms so that you know that it's your turn to sing by the way when did like raising your arm become the universal invitation to singing i'm not sure but we as catholics know that 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 is what that means he he didn't do that he didn't raise his hand he didn't sing the verse he did nothing he just went and stood on this ambo. Th- I know it's not an ambo. It's the thing. So the ambo is where like the readings are read from. And then this other side is a matching thing. that looks just like an ambo, but we can't call it an ambo for some reason. And he's singing from that side. Doesn't raise his hand. Doesn't sing anything. Just literally stands there. I'm like, this is really weird. So it's like, okay, I'm a Catholic trying to pay attention to mass. And there's just weird stuff happening. Just weird stuff. Cantor wearing a t-shirt, Cantor not singing and standing up there in the center of attention for no reason. The weird homily that I mentioned last week, essentially, it was the feast day of John the Baptist. And the the priest, the bishop, was saying in his homily that it wasn't John the beloved disciple, the beloved apostle, at the cross with Mary, which it definitely says it is in John's gospel. <laughs> he said it was actually John the Baptist. And that was like his big point because it's like, okay, John the Baptist's job was to point to Jesus, to lead people to Jesus, which is, which is true. And Mary's job, her role is to point people to Jesus, like even currently. Like that's, that's her job. That's her role within heaven, within the church. And like, okay, that's a nice thought, but it's really hard for a guy whose head was cut off a few months ago to be some to be anywhere to to be doing anything because he's dead like Jesus did some pretty amazing miracles and like when he raised Lazarus from the, from the dead Lazarus was still all in one piece his head wasn't on a platter so like we know that John the Baptist was dead so essentially this bishop lied in his homily and it's just like really weird cuz I'm trying to pay attention and I think we've all been at masses like this where we're trying our best. Like, I can't lie and say that every Mass I go to, I'm trying my best to to be engaged. But, uh, well, maybe I am trying my best, and my best just isn't good enough. Maybe that's actually the real answer. But we've all been at a Mass where something weird happened. So I want to kind of talk about it um, here in this segment. In our next segment, we're going to be talking to a really good friend of mine, Mr. Kevin Kapchinski, who is a pastoral musician, who is the guy that's in charge of music for his parish, fantastic musician, great guy. That's going to be just, I think, enlightening for all of us. But here's what I want to do now. I want to share a few more uh, like weird mass stories, like things that have happened in mass that were definitely more distracting than helpful for uh, (laughs) bringing me closer to God in that moment. I mean, first of all, we all, like for those people who have kids, like that's a hard thing to do. It's really hard to bring your young children to mass and to grow closer to God. It's like, I always think about like the greatest commandment, you know, which is to love God and to love your neighbors. Well, I think mass for me with small children, like when I was single, it was all about me falling more in love with God. And I didn't really mad. Like I didn't really care about the rest of the congregation. Like unless I was there, like with my family or with some friends or whatever, but it's just like, okay, it was more about me and Jesus. Now that I have kids, I think it's just more of a test for me. It's my weekly test on how well my loving my neighbors, like the actual people who live closest to me that live in the bedroom next to me of my children. That's, that's the real test there. But he, here's some things, and this is my public plea to anyone who has ever been a lector, 
to anybody who's ever been a worship leader, whoever, anybody who's ever been a pastoral musician, like, please, please, please listen to these things because it's just some advice from Taylor who has done both of these things, not perfectly. Uh, I'll share some of the things that I've messed up before uh, where I was definitely part of the problem and not part of the solution. So it happens to uh, the best of us and me. Uh, So here we go. I went out of town a couple weekends ago. And I went to this mass, and the lector, this this the same lector, bless her heart. That's that's the thing that we Southerners say whenever somebody really messed up. Twice she said things like one was heresy and one was rude, but it was all accidental. Like she wasn't purposely saying heresy. She wasn't purposely being rude to the priest that was standing right next to her. But that's definitely. What happened? So a few weeks ago, if you can recall, I know a lot of us had struggle remembering what the mass readings were this past Sunday, nevertheless, a couple of weeks ago, but the reading was from Ezekiel. And here's what, it, here's what it's supposed to say. It's Ezekiel chapter 17. Thus says the Lord God, I too will take from the crest of the cedar, from its topmost branches, tear off a tender shoot. And plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. And here's the important sentence. It shall put forth branches and bear fruit and become a majestic cedar. So that's what it actually said. She may, is, I, and I, I know it's just a slight mistake. It's just one letter off. But instead of it shall put forth, like the tree that is growing, she said, I, as like God was talking, because like, this is a quote, like thus says the Lord, I too, like that's, that's, that's what's been happening before this. She says that the Lord is saying, I shall put forth branches and bear fruit and become a majestic cedar. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never thought about God being a small sapling of a tree that is going to grow into being a majestic cedar. But that's where my mind went during mass because of what the lector said it's like i don't know if god's a guy with branches uh i don't think that image works for me but whatever the second thing that she said you know that a lot of times the lectors will come up they'll read like the first and this like if there's one lector for the whole mass which like come on church we're just being lazy we can definitely get a second lector up there and yeah this is just me i think it's just kind of griping like if if you see if you're at mass you see the same people lecturing and eming every week like you could probably help most of you most of my audience is fairly literate uh, i know there are a few of you that a few of you that aren't which is why you listen to this in audio but most of you are literate if you can read like go go be trained to be a lector go help read uh, m- many of you work in the business world you speak for a living you get you know you give presentations like go help them out if you are a, conf- a confirmed catholic who loves the eucharist like, it's so cool to give Jesus to other people. Like, go help be an EM. It would just make everything a lot cooler. Because a lot of times, here's what happens. And I'm sitting here doing this. Like, if we have complaints, it's like, okay, well, why don't you go do it if you if you want to do it better? It's like, okay, like, maybe we actually should. All right. I, I, I mean, like, going back and forth between being on a soapbox and beating myself up over this and laughing all along the way. Here's the second thing that that lector said. You know, she she did the readings and then she did like the the offertory prayers. Uh, what are they called? The intercessions or whatever. I know I'm a bad Catholic. Sorry that I didn't remember, guys. Um, well, it's like you know the Lord hear our prayer thing. So she's saying, you know, for for the Pope and our and our bishops. 
and our and our priest, what she was like, what it read and what it was supposed to say was that our priest can continue to inspire us. But she kind of stumbled over her words and essentially what she said. I don't remember it verbatim. It was a couple weeks ago. But instead of inspire, she said in spite of. So she was like, help us to continue growing our faith in spite of our priests, bishops, and deacons. So I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, I looked over at the priest's face, and he's like, what just happened? Oh, man. So here we are in the congregation trying to pray. Trying, you know, We did our best to get to Mass. We're trying to, to pray throughout the Mass, and then stuff like this is happening. Um, okay, before we go too much further— I have to share the worst thing that I ever did in mass. I was the music director at a at a parish for uh, almost two years, and uh, I didn't know the difference between uh, two words that were one letter off. So I'm like, to be fair, this lady missed something by one minute, by one letter. I missed something by one letter. Uh, there's this song that I love, um, I'll hail the power of Jesus name. You've probably heard this around some kind of Jesus feast, you know, like Christ the King or something like that. All hail the power of Jesus name, let angels prostrate fall. Um, I, I missed the, uh, the R in prostrate. So I, I definitely said that something in the angels should fall that should not be falling in anyone. Oh, hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostate fall. It's like, no, that's not the words, Taylor. Like, I'm part of the problem. Like, we need to focus on the things that we're singing. We need to focus on the things that we are saying. And it's like, uh, maybe I didn't know. I was taught that day the difference between those two words. And I was just absolutely mortified. Some funny things happen, like, in, like, not in the mass, but in like praise and worship settings where it's like, you know, somebody has a guitar or a piano and is leading people in, in prayer through song. And I'm sure I've done this before, but there's funny compilations and like c- comedians that'll talk about this idea where it's like most of the time that people are leading worship, especially if you're kind of new at it. I mean, if you think about it, there's a lot to kind of keep in track when you're playing music for, for God. You're trying to pray. You're trying to hit the right, like I'm just talking about me on my guitar. Trying to hit the right chords. You're trying to hit the right chord progressions. You're you're making sure that the lyrics are correct on the wall. You're um, focusing on the words so that you don't say something stupid like let angels prostrate fall. It's like, okay, there's a lot going on. But what tends to happen is that worship leaders will definitely say something in heresy, like that is heresy in their prayer time. So, like, as they're focusing on changing songs and changing chords, and you're, like, praying in between songs, I'm I'm sure a lot of you have experienced this. But um, this happened to me a couple weeks ago with a friend of the show that I won't name, but he knows who it is, and I thought it was pretty hilarious. I talked to him about it after. Um, He was trying to pray and say, God, like, we just want you to, like, in this time, to let you love us. That's what he was trying to say. But what he actually said was like, God, in this time of prayer, 
I just ask that you help us to love us. And I'm like, man, that is my kind of prayer. Like, that's really honest, but I'm pretty sure it's heresy and not worship at all. It's just about us having a good experience in this. So here's here's the deal. And why I bring this all up, it's like, okay, why is Taylor griping about this? Why is Taylor talking about this? First of all, I think it's it's part of all of our experience. We've all had an experience where we've gone and there's been bad music or somebody says something weird or the or the lector messes up or the the homily isn't great or he lies that John the Baptist was at the cross like no matter all of that stuff like there are certain masses like this one that I went to like this crazy one I went to it's like what the heck like what kind of sane person would would put up with this and i'm like here's the deal here's why i'm i'm catholic And I said this briefly last week, and it's one of my favorite sayings. It's like, I love Catholicism, can't stand Catholics. Now, to to, to be fair, there are a lot of Catholics I love. I love a lot of the people in the church. But it's like, we are all all make mistakes. We all mess up. We all say dumb stuff. I, I told you, I've said it, I've sang it in worship, in mass, whatever. But here's the deal. The reason that I'm still Catholic is, number one, because of the Eucharist. The reason that I still go to mass, even when I can't pay attention or all these things are being thrown at me, my kids are crawling all over me. Somebody's talking about like us growing in our faith in spite of our priests. Like no matter what the case is, I still get Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity at the end of that mass. And then also, here's the deal. I've, I've had, if anytime I've had a question about the faith where I'm like, what is this even about? Why are we here? Why are these people saying crazy things? Every time that I've sought an answer from the church, in truth, like, why do we do this in Mass? Why do we believe this? I've always gotten an answer that suffices. So if you're struggling with Mass, like, remember the most important thing that you're there for is to receive Jesus. And if you have, like, questions about your faith, ask them. Ask those questions. Go try to find the answers for them. Hey, man. Have fun at your next Mass. I hope it's a great one. If you have some crazy stories, definitely let me know, and we can talk about them on the show. We'll be right back with Kevin Kapczynski. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a message from Definitely Not Taylor. If you are listening to the show, you should totally rate it and subscribe to it on iTunes. To rate it, go to the iTunes Podcasts app on your phone, Search for Tay Catholic, scroll down to review, give five stars, write that you like the show, and then move on with your day. Enjoy the rest of the show. to Forte Catholic. This is your host, Taylor Troll. I hope you enjoyed the break, that it was just a wonderful three minutes for you, and that you feel closer to the Lord and closer to whatever was publicized on the PSAs in between the segments. I mean, a lot of people listen and tell me that the PSAs are their favorite part of this show. So for those people, I thank you for sticking through those PSAs. We are here today with the one, the only, the beautiful, the enigmatic, the fantastical Kevin Kapczynski. Kevin, how are you today, sir? 
I'm doing just fine. I got a cup of coffee in my hand, and I'm sitting on a dock looking at the water. I'm sitting on a dock looking at the water, boy. We're going to talk about some farming today. Yes, sir. Uh, And to be fair, most of those words that I use to describe you, I don't know what they mean. So I hope they're all good. I've got my dictionary present, so I am ready for this interview. (laughs) You might need a thesaurus. I I think... Have you seen the new Jurassic Park yet? The thesaurus was just uh, the smartest dinosaur I saw in that whole movie. I have not seen it. I have not seen it, but uh, also a swing and a miss for you there, buddy. I know. I thought it was just fantastic. I also love how you said I didn't sing it, which is actually what we're going to be talking about. We're talking about uh, pastoral musicianship because there you go. You, sir are a fantastical musician. I'll use that word again. Great musician, great voice, great at the guitar. You come from a family of musicians. I've had the privilege to hear not just you, but the whole family play together. It was pretty cool. Um, you are. What's your role at the parish that you are currently at right now? So my title is Director of Worship and Evangelization. Uh, the part that includes pastoral musicianship is I am in charge of all of the um, experiences of worship with regard to music at our parish. So if it, that, that includes the human formation of our choirs, um, our cantors, um, selection of the music, uh, planning of the, like the liturgies of that portion anyway, um, and all the, all the stuff that falls in between the cracks uh, is what I catch as well. So yeah, that's what I do. Essentially, from your title, it sounds like you do everything that the priest doesn't want to. Is that true? <laughs> there, there are there's a little truth to that. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a really uh, a good way of answering that question, Kevin. <laughs> you're, very, you're very political. Good job. So, uh, I know that you and I have had some conversations about music and about great music at mass and about some not so great music at mass. So, why do you, why did you take this job? To be honest, uh, I, I work with um, Father Charlie Garza in Dripping Springs, and uh, he is a, a good and great holy man. Um, and he he approached me probably three years ago, uh, and and said, "Hey, you know, I see that you have these gifts, and I see that that you can bring healing to people through these gifts uh, of music and and help people to to draw close to God in that way. Um, would you consider?" you know, taking on more of a role with, with regard to our music ministry here. And I, I, I said, father, you know, I really, I don't know that I have the time. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think this is for me. Um, I, you know, I just kind of balked at the idea a year after that, he asked me the same question during my performance review. And again, my, my answer was the same. I said, you know, father, I, I really, I, you know, you, this is the second time you've asked me, I really am uncomfortable. I don't think that this is for me. I, you know, I don't think this is the right, right move for me. And then the third year in a row, he asked me again at my in July ish or so, and uh, <laughs> he uh, I, I said, look, here's the deal. Anytime you're this persistent and the Lord is this persistent, because at this point, other people had been had been you know telling me similar things like, hey, you really need to pursue more music. You're good at it, and and you could bring people to Christ with this. So. Uh, after some wrestling with the angel, wrestling with the Holy Spirit, as it were, uh, I, I relented and, and, you know, let go and let God, as they say. And uh, that's kind of how, how, you know, the beginning of, of how things started 
uh, taking shape for my position. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been a blast and it's been a, a kind of a whirlwind and roller coaster ride the whole time. See, that this is the difference between you and me. And by you and me, I mean a non-holy person and a holy person. You viewed that <laughs> as like, the Lord has been pursuing me for three years through this priest. And I'd just be like, you're annoying me. Please stop. <laughs> but I think, I mean, well, the, the, the position's going well I'm, for I'm, you. Yeah, it's going well. Uh, and yes, I am a very politically correct person. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just lie on my radio show? Is that what you're saying? Whoa, whoa. Lying on Catholic radio. Never. That's never happened before. <laughs> <laughs> and except for those three minutes ago in my last segment. Okay. So there you go. In the last segment, I was talking about some frustrating music and some frustrating lectors and you're, you're in charge of the music. So Mm-hmm. You now have the power to shape the <laughs> musical experience for people in your parish that come to mass. What are the most important things for for the music to do for, for you to do to help the music be good for mass? So let me let me clarify the question first before I answer. Uh, are you asking me what is the most important thing for music to do at the mass, or what is the most important thing for me to do? Uh, to help the music at mass answer both in whatever order you'd like. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) Uh, so the most important thing for music at mass, uh, is for people to be able to sing it. Um, there, there's no worship leader at mass. And if there is, then, then we're doing it wrong. Um, there's simply a lead worshiper. Um, and, and we have to do our best as pastoral musicians to get out of the way of, of Christ um, and let, let people be able to enter into full and conscious active worship uh, with their God. And, and if we get in the way of that, then we're doing a disservice not only to ourselves and our own worship, but to, to, to the mass as well. So uh, that would be the first thing is, is to, to practice enough and prepare well enough that you can you can allow yourself to get out of the way and let people participate in the mass to the fullest extent possible. And then second, the thing that I do, I guess, to get the the music ready as best as I can, is uh, I, some of the some people at our, at my parish may disagree with this, but uh, I try and over prepare, and that doesn't always happen just due to you know the busyness of the parish, but. Um, I try to do my utmost to um, uh, to get everything well in advance ready and to account for as much as I can. But then I think the more important part is to be able to have the flexibility to change on the fly. There have been situations in the past where, you know, there there was, uh, you know, unfortunately, unfortunately there was like a school shooting, and um, I, I changed our entire liturgy plan for that weekend. Uh, so that we could kind of account for that. Um, and, and, you know, from, from, uh, the homily to the, the, uh, intentions to the music, everything was kind of centered around praying for those people and, and for the, the kids who lost their lives and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the most important part for, for me, uh, to help me do my job is, is to just pre- be prepared to, to spend enough time ahead of time to where I can, I can again, get out of the way. 
And you were talking about like that specific case of like trying to match the music and, you know, I'm sure talking to your priest about the homily and the intentions and all of these things to all help people pray around that school shooting. Now, now that's I mean, that's a, a, a specific example. But like, I think a lot of people that just sit in the pews don't understand like the role of picking music and like what all goes into picking which songs you're going to play for each week. So like, just like you had a fluid experience for the people that showed up like right after the school shooting, what's the, what's the fluid experience like on a regular, you know, sun, ordinary time, Sunday mass, like how does picking the songs affect that? Sure. So like, what's the, what's the preparation process? Is, is that what you mean? Well, so like how, like what goes into you picking the songs? Like, what are you looking at? What are you trying to do when you're picking the songs that you're playing for mass? Got it. So, uh, I use a number of resources, but the most important thing that I do to start off with is I pray. Um, I, I try and get into the chapel and, uh, I don't, I don't try. I just, <laughs> that we have a code on our chapel door. So sometimes it works, sometimes <laughs> it doesn't. But so, yeah, I try to get into the chapel and most times it works. Um, but the gospels, um, and, and generally I plan, you know, like eight to 10 weeks at a time in advance and stuff. Uh, and, and I, I go through and I, I look through the Gospels. I look through the, the readings and how they connect to the Gospel. Um, and I really focus specifically around what, what Jesus is trying to do, uh, which may be a little bit different than some people. Uh, but I, I really am, am um, pretty Gospel-centric in my selections um, because Jesus is, is ultimately the most re- relevant force uh, in, in the church. So, uh, I really spend some time with, with the gospel, spend some time with Jesus and the blessed sacrament in our chapel. And, uh, then I take it back to the office and, uh, I take and, and write down kind of like what, what immediately sticks out. Uh, and some stuff is, is, you know, it's fire. It's great. It's, it's perfect. It fits super, super well. Um, but sometimes the issue too is like sometimes certain songs fit super, super well, like three weeks in a row. So you're like, Oh man, pick the best one. <laughs> and then, uh, a lot of the times I'll, I'll choose uh, that generally gets me about 60% of the way. The other 40% is, is generally time that I spend with, uh, uh, the national association for pastoral musicians. They have a, a really good website for planning, um, as well as just indices in, in the gather hymnal and our, our hymnal that we use. Um, just various, various resources I, I, I use to just kind of, cause my brain isn't that efficient. So I have to, to help it out with some other resources, but, um, it's the truest yeah, thing you've I, ever I mean, said. I, I just kind of, <laughs> that's <laughs> that time. I'm not lying. On yeah. that that's for sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I just use a, a bunch of different stuff at that point to try and fill in the gaps that, that, uh, with, with stuff that, that really fits and, and works with the readings and, and the homily. Uh, Father Charlie and I, we try and, and, um, kind of coordinate the, the songs as well to his homilies, uh, as he does kind of like homily series. So he, he might be doing a series on the seven deadly sins or something like that. And, um, I love all those hymn, <laughs> hymns about the, the like, seven hmm. deadly sins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's not a lot of songs that are just like really, really in tune with like, like pride and lust and, and <laughs> you know, avarice and greed and all that good stuff, but, or bad stuff rather. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I do my best to try and, and kind of go with the theme and, and stories that he's talking about. Um, and it ends up kind of coming together 
and that's 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 kind of the process. But really, the most important thing, and the first thing I do is, is spend some time in the Gospels. Uh, in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Yeah, it's it's interesting because like the one thing that I noticed even when I was a kid was this whole ordeal of like you know you can go to Mass Sunday morning and then you go to youth group. Somebody asks you what was the gospel and you're like I don't know that was like five hours ago I don't remember you know but <laughs> but you know if if the let's say the gospel was about uh, like Jesus sending out his apostles and the closing song for Mass like you won't remember that gospel. But for some reason, like songs just stick in our head. We remember them. So if the closing song was, I send you out on a mission of love and know that I am with you always until the end of the world. It's like, that's the whole sending out. That's the great commission. That's yep. stuck in my head for yep. four days. And then I'm like, why is it stuck in my head? Oh, yeah, it's because the gospel was Sunday. So if like, it, it, like that was the gospel on Sunday. So if you have this fluid experience at mass that's provided by the musicians and the, and the, the priest and their homily and all of these things, it... It helps to connect those things to our daily lives and get those songs stuck in our head. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a rapid-fire game that I didn't plan and didn't prepare you for, which is going to be amazing. Here's what, here's the here's the game. You have to pick, in under five seconds each time, the best song for Mass for any topic that I give you. Are you ready for this? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll, okay. we'll start easy. Love. Oh man, when uh, uh, this is going to be rough. <laughs> <laughs> you already said that your brain doesn't work, so we'll we'll test that. <laughs> uh, I, what immediately comes to mind is when love is found, which is a wedding song. Um, yeah, when love is found, sure. Best wedding song, him like him for a wedding. Oh man, I really love when love is found, but him for a wedding. <laughs> Uh, That's going to be your answer for all of them. If I have my choice, if I have my pick, probably set me as a seal by Matt Marr. There you go. Um, That was, that was at my wedding and it was fantastic. So I flew across the country to meet the girl who is now my wife. We were just dating at the time and I flew over to, to, to Florida. She doesn't, she didn't know that I was coming. Her friends knew and like helped me coordinate it. And so what happened was that, I was like, I was at a piano in this room that was all by themselves. They walked into the room and I played on the piano and sang, set me as a seal to her. And, uh, I'm pretty, that's not how I proposed, but I'm pretty sure that's the day that she decided she was going to marry me. (laughs) It was that, it was that awesome. It's the most, it's the coolest thing I think I've ever done in my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's you only get so many drop the mic moments. Yeah, I know. I I used them all very early. <laughs> <laughs> um, topic of of uh God the Father. God the Father. Uh well, I, I mean, there's the the good good father song. That's not really your traditional hymn, but that's going to be uh probably the most relevant that's that's current. Did you play that on Father's Day? Um for our youth mass we did. Yeah, I definitely did as well. Um, so and it's it's interesting because that that actually brings. Up, I, I'll I'll let you off the hook. We just got about a minute left. Congratulations, you didn't completely fail at the game. <laughs> you, you, you squeezed Oof. through just like you did most of your classes in high school. So uh, <laughs> we got we got a minute left, dude. What's the final thing that you want to say? The most important thing for the people who are listening when they go to mass that you want them to know about pastoral music. Don't be afraid to sing. God gave you a voice. Use it. Uh, I, I've sat next to people who have terrible voices. They can't carry a tune in a bucket. Hey. But the most joyful thing 
is is to hear those people just belt out songs. I, I'll give you an example of my daughter. My daughter, uh, she sings really, really loud at Mass. I, I bring her up with me, next to me, uh, when I play at Mass, and um, uh, she's standing next to there, next to me, and she doesn't have like the greatest. She can't carry a tune. I mean, she's like, she's like four, um, so she's not great yet, but. Um, she, you know, she just sings at the top of her lungs. And that's the most beautiful thing to me. It's it's beautiful to me to see people who are the best of singers and the worst of singers belt out everything they have and leave it all out there uh, simply to give God everything that they have. That's that's the most important thing for me with, with pastoral musicianship, with music at mass, with worship in general, is don't hold anything back from from God. It's the same thing with confession. It's the same thing with the offertory. Don't hold anything back from God and he will reward you with tenfold everything that you could ever imagine. Dude, that that might be the greatest description of pastoral musicianship I have ever heard. They were the best of singers. They were the worst of singers. Welcome to the Catholic Church. <laughs> Kevin Kapczynski, he's the man. Go look him up on the social media stuff. He's a cool dude. Go check him out. Kevin, thanks a ton, man. All right, thanks, Taylor. Peace. Guys, we'll be right back for our final segment of the day. Hey, it's Taylor. Aren't you glad I'm not using voice modulation between these two segments? You're welcome, friends. Hey, I just wanted to stop and take a moment to tell you to go visit the website for all your Forte Catholic needs, F-O-R-T-E Catholic.com. You can find old podcast episodes. You can find info on my music, on my speaking. You can find booking information. If you want me to come out to your parish or to ask an event or school, I would love to go check it out, F-O-R-T-E Catholic.com, and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. Kevin Kaczynski got me onto this new kind of music. It's called Kids Trap, a wholesome rap album for kids. You gotta check this out. Before I go to bed, I love reading books. I love reading words and the way the pictures look. I love to eat a good dinner that my mom cooks. After I eat dinner, I love reading books. Yo, I love so, <laughs> for those of you that know, we have a Patreon page that has like behind the scenes content from the show and like i had kevin like after we recorded the last segment we talked for like another 10 minutes or so and kind of keeping it going and he introduced me to this thing it's called kids trap by blake rules wholesome rap album for kids it's on spotify go check this thing out it is so funny we're gonna play this all week at our at our junior high summer camp. It is so funny. Uh, if you want to hear that conversation, how this all started, and why the intro music was so different and interesting for this final segment, head on over to patreon.com slash Catholic. You can hear the exclusive content of me and Kevin talking about this important subject of my new favorite album that he introduced me to. Oh my goodness. There's, there's three of them, and they are absolutely hilarious we got all kinds of stuff all over that on that patreon though almost every time a guest comes on we have a great conversation before or after like what actually goes on the radio what goes on the podcast go check it out patreon.com slash forte catholic you get all kinds of cool stuff all right 
So the first couple segments we were talking about, well, the first one I talked about this, this interesting mass that I went to when I was gone uh, on my trip for Detroit. So I was in Detroit, uh, for those of you that didn't listen last week, for a mission trip for uh, called Young Neighbors in Action, put on by the Center for Ministry Development. They hold these mission trips all throughout the, the country uh, over the summer. And so I was over there doing the prayer, leading prayer and music for uh, for these five youth groups that came to come to come to Detroit, where I also was. So one of the, I mean, the whole point of what they were doing there was serving the people of Detroit. They served in soup kitchens. They served um, like helping with like community gardens. They served uh, like resource centers they served all over the place to help to give back and like one of our jobs as the program staff was to connect this service to their life of faith to connect this service to their prayer and there was this cool um reflection that uh that came up that i shared that i wanted to share with you guys so it's from a story that i'm sure that you have all heard before from the great book of Mark in chapter 6, starting verse 34. As Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and the hour is now very late. Send them away so that they may go to the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. They said to him, are we to go and buy 200 denarii's worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of, of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the the people. And he divided the two fish among them and all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. Those who had eaten the the loaves numbered 5,000 men. So here's here's what I'm going to do. We kind of just walked through this story that's a very familiar story, probably one of the most popular stories in the gospel. A lot of the verbiage is used in the mass during consecration. So we think of this as a feeding story. Like the story is called the feeding of the 5,000. But what's the first thing that Jesus notices? He looks at them as, and he sees that they were sheep without a shepherd. And before he does anything, he teaches them. He saw that their deepest hunger their hunger at that moment was for truth, was for knowledge, was for whatever God in Jesus had to offer. But then on the same side, he was teaching for so long that it became late, and then they needed to eat. And he noticed that as well. He noticed their need for the spiritual food, and he noticed their need for actual food. So the, the, people, the apostles come up, he's hungry, they're all hungry. Have you ever been in church hungry, by the way? It's the worst thing ever. So you're, you're uh, you know, you did, especially on like Sunday morning, if you did like the hour before um, receiving communion fast, you didn't eat anything before mass. So you're like, 
gurgling and then you know your stomach's going crazy and you're like trying to pay attention but you're like all i can think about is this hunger and like jesus recognizes that he's like okay i've been teaching these people now they're hungry i gotta fix that do a little bit of hospitality before i go on with this so the the important thing is that jesus recognizes that yes we are both spiritual people and physical people like we need both things and i just find it fascinating that Yes, like the the miracle was the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. Fishes, fish. We say it says fishes in there, but I think of the plural fish. I don't know. Take it up with them. Ask Jesus about it. Um, Also, one funny kind of little thing that I noticed in here. I feel like, you know, like sometimes like if somebody's telling a story about you, like you want it to be said in a good light. I feel like whoever owned this land, if they owned this property, like, Red marks initial run through, and it's like, oh no! Don't just tell them they sat on the grass. Tell them they sat on the green grass, and then people will want to come visit here. And people have been visiting the Holy Land for years. It worked. Congratulations, landowner, two thousand years ago. So, uh, how is this connecting with with their their week of service? And it all kind of surrounded this Pope Francis quote. He said, at the first world day of the poor, this large gathering, our prayer and our journey of discipleship and conversion find the confirmation of their evangelic authenticity in precisely such charity and sharing. So he's, again, bringing these two things together. Our prayer and our journey of discipleship and conversion are connected with our charity and our sharing. This way of life gives rise to joy and peace of soul because we touch with our own hands the flesh of Christ. Like whenever we are serving the poor, the needy, anybody, we're serving the hands or we're serving Christ through our hands. If we truly wish to encounter Christ, we have to touch his body in the suffering bodies of the poor as a response to the sacramental communion bestowed on us in the Eucharist. So here was the coolest thing for us. Our theme last week was like blessed, broken, and shared. It was a lot of our prayer, a lot of our programming, all revolved around this idea of bread. Um, being like we, the bread of mass obviously is blessed, is, is changed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of God for us to receive. We become one with him. That's, that's where we encounter him the most like where we get to take Jesus into our being. And then, but at the end of mass, we all know that the being sent, like go and share this, share the good news, share this with your neighbor. And the idea for us was that, all right, guys that are out there serving in all of these communities in Detroit, go be bread for them. It's the whole idea of like, you know, so people may not encounter Christ unless they encounter Christ in you. We have to be the bread for people to go share what we have been given through the good news with other people. The next next word was that is like blessed and broken, and it's I found this just absolutely fascinating. It's not something I had ever like hit on before or thought about. That the Eucharist, like when like right after the priest holds it up, he he breaks it. He just just as Jesus was physically broken on the cross like when he when he died and was nailed to the cross like that that bread which is now his body is being broken and like we are going out and serving a broken world like all of us are broken 
But anytime we go to any time of service, whether it's at a soup kitchen or whether it's like in your home for your for your wife or your husband or your kids or whoever, we're going to encounter broken people and we are also broken people. So a lot of times it's like the whole like we're going to go serve like love until it's hard. It's like no no no, no. love even after it is hard. Continue. You don't just serve when you're like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling great, and this is the time I want to do it. Like, if we waited to serve people until we completely felt like it and were great physically, mentally, and spiritually, we would serve maybe 10% of the time that we should. So a lot of times it, what it takes for us to be bred for others is for us to do it to the point that we are broken for them. Like, we are sacrificing for them. We are, are uh, joining in their suffering, and we are worried more about them than ourselves. And then the obvious one, like this bread is shared. And the interesting connection with this with this gospel passage is that it is multiplied. It's like our service is multiplied. It is when we share what we have been given, it's not just like our words or our service that's going to impact them. It is Christ in us. He's going to take whatever we do, whatever we have, whatever we bring, however we serve, whatever we are doing for him in his name, and he's going to multiply that. He's going to make it grow. He's going to, to make it come to life in these people's lives. So, he, you know, he, like Pope Francis talks about confronting this poverty. And I, I know for me, like I live in a, you know, like middle class area. I grew up middle class. It's like, it, sometimes it takes for me going on a mission trip to encounter this real poverty and touch it with our own hands. And it reminds me of like, number one, like how, how blessed and fortunate that I am, but also like my responsibility to give back and to serve because like that is, that is what we are called to do. People that we meet and like, maybe, maybe if you, if you live in a, in a place like I do, you won't see somebody like begging for food, but still like, that's one of the important things of this passage is that the, uh, Jesus notices the hunger in these people, both physically and spiritually. There are times where some people will be struggling physically and you like can provide food for them. A great idea that somebody gave me is to always keep like a $10 like McDonald's or Subway gift card on you. And if somebody asks you for food, give them that. But then the, the primary thing, the thing that this whole story starts off on was that Jesus saw that they were lost. They were like sheep without a shepherd, hungry, to be led to God. And he gave, he shared the truth with them. Like there is a poverty in our day and age in every class, in lower class, middle class, upper class, the richest people in the world. All of us have a need for God. And if that need isn't being met, then we have that hunger deep inside of us so that we can go and share this with people. So there's this, there's this story. It's kind of an old, uh, Old folk tale. I forget who wrote it. I, I wrote. I looked it up one time and didn't write it down. You might have heard. It's the story of this starfish and how we can sometimes get overwhelmed with serving others. Like, oh, I can't fix poverty, so why, why, why help? Or I, I can't give a lot of money to this cause, so why give anything? Or I can't change this person's lives, so why even try? And it's this, uh, this modern parable about starfish on a beach. I heard this, and it, it's, it's always stuck with me. I heard it, I think, when I was in undergrad, that there's this person walking along the beach, and, you know, like I grew up on the beach. I know high tide, low tide. If you didn't grow up along a beach or don't understand it, 
in high tide, the water comes all the way up the beach. And then low tide, like the beach literally gets longer. Like the, the ocean is further away. It's fascinating. It's this really interesting thing as a kid because you're like building this huge sandcastle. And then an hour later, like the sandcastle is in the ocean. You're like, hey, <laughs> how did this happen? But a lot of times what happens is that if there is a if there is a high tide and the water comes all the way up and then quickly goes to low tide, it'll lead like fish will get trapped. Like there's no more water. Starfish get trapped. Crabs get trapped. Like whatever was in the ocean is now on the land. So there's a story of all these starfish up on the ocean. And this woman is walking by and she's picking up a starfish and tossing it a few, uh, you know, a few dozen yards into the back into the ocean so that the starfish can live and be back in the water. And there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of starfish on the beach. And she's just walking by and throwing them in one at a time. And somebody comes up to her and it's like, what are you doing? Like there's, there's just so many hundreds of these fish. Like you, you are absolutely not going to make a difference. You know, you're going to save like 10 of these things and there's maybe thousands on here. It's not going to make a difference. She just looks up at him and she says, well, it made a difference to that one I just threw in. And to this one that I just threw in. And to this one that I just threw in. So, like, you and me probably can't save the world. I, I know we all wanted to when we were a kid. But it's probably not what's going to happen. But we can impact the lives of one person, of two people, of, of ten people, of a dozen people. Whatever it is, by our sharing of the good news and helping to feed spe- people spiritually. And then also of being generous financially and giving to to organizations that can help fight this, like, actual physical poverty so that's the story i had a great trip last last week it was it was fantastic all right that ends all of my detroit stuff i i did it i finished the show without sam i miss her when she's gone the witty banter is gone every time i cough there's just a pause instead of her taking over for me because she's awesome i was going to read this like i got a new itunes review for the show and it's all about Sam. So I'm not going to share it today. I'm going to wait until Sam is back next week. But if you could, please go give the show a review on iTunes. It absolutely absolutely helps for more people to find it. As always, follow me on social media at Taylor Schroll, S-C-H-R-O-L-L, on Twitter and Instagram, or search Forte Catholic on Facebook. I'd love to connect with you guys. As always, let me know if you have any questions that you want me to tackle or questions or topics you want me to tackle on the show. Next week, we'll be back with another show with a guest who has canceled twice already. Dude, it's it's okay, though, because it was due to his kids being sick or getting hurt like randomly right before he was supposed to record. So pray for him. And if you're listening to this on the radio right now, say a prayer for me and the about 100 junior high students that I'm currently at camp with. I appreciate you listening. We'll be back next week with a great show, and Sam will be back. See ya!